Welcome, dear friends, to another edition of The Brattlecast. I'm Jordan Rich, and it's my pleasure to sit down with my very fine friend, Ken Gloss, the proprietor and the appraiser and the man who knows so much about books, the proprietor of the Brattle Bookshop in Boston, a Boston and actually an American institution with people from all over the planet coming to visit. And now on The Brattlecast, we come to you. So, Ken, uh, it was a while back that I asked you the question that a lot of people have asked you over time. What is your Ken Gloss's favorite book? And we had an answer at the time, which we'll reply and remind people of. But there's more to the story, I'm told. Well, what I want to do is that's a question that a lot <laughs> that a lot of people ask me. What's your favorite book? What what is it? And it's actually not an easy question. Because there are so many different things you look at, so many different reasons that you like a book. And although I've touched on this in other podcasts, I thought I'd do one that maybe pulls it together a little. And you, you, and it's not only just the book itself, it's a lot of times the story that goes with it. Now, I remember people asked my father that question. And of course, he had a lot of books and a lot of things he read. But his quick answer to it was, Oh, the book that I bought with a baby with. And you go, wait a minute, you bought a baby with a book? And and I remember the first time I even heard this story. And he said, oh, yes, well, I used to go to the Morgan Memorial and the St. Vincent de Paul and the Salvation Army every morning. That was his regular route at five, six in the morning. And one morning he was going through the bins and he pulled out this diary and he bought it and got it back to the store. And it was the diary of a man who went to the gold rush in 1849 from Boston. Mm. I mean, and it tells the whole story of leaving Boston, taking a ship down to Panama, crossing Panama. Remember, there was no canal at that time. And just the hot, that was actually one of the hottest parts of the trip was crossing Panama, then taking another ship up to the gold fields and then describing going out in the gold fields and getting some gold, but shovels cost a fortune. Food cost a fortune. He said the only ones really making money there were the merchants selling all the supplies. After six or eight months, after finding some gold, but not ever making money, making his way back, getting the book, whatever happened to it, my father got this book and he didn't have any health insurance. My sister was being born within a week or so of that. He got it, he read it, he realized what it was. My mother was ready to come home from the hospital, but he had to pay the bill. And he, he always says they wouldn't let them out until he paid the hmm. bill. But he sold this book for $500 at the time, covered the, the medical bill, and he said he probably made more on the book than the man at the gold rush made on the gold rush. <laughs> that's a great he story. He got he got my sister. Well, that's a, a that's a that's a that's a terrific favorite book story. Let's it's circle but let's circle back though. And first of all, when I asked you the question a while back, uh, you responded pretty quickly. Are you still sticking with that one? Which one was that? Tell me. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you what one of my favorite books are. And, and that's the hard part about this question is when people ask me, I sometimes come up with a quick answer because I want a quick answer. And sometimes I think about it. But there are some things that you touch and you hold and you say, this is amazing. 
I got in a few of them I've gotten called on appraisals. Went to a, a library and they had a book. It was the first edition of Isaac Newton's Principia Mathematica. Mm. The, <clears throat> the book that was foundation of modern mathematics done in the 1600s. And I was particularly interested because I majored in chemistry and I have a science background. I'm going, I'm holding a copy of Isaac Newton's book, Principia Mathematica. At the time, it was probably worth about a quarter of a million dollars. But this was a special copy. This was a copy that was Isaac Newton's copy. And he had written notes in the margins. So I was sitting there holding Isaac Newton's copy of it. It was probably at the time worth a million dollars or more. Uh, pardon this, it, this pun, I can't resist. Did you understand the gravity of the situation? Yes, I understood. Good. I okay. even understood the gravity of the situation. <laughs> had, to, had to do it, sorry. But, but an interesting follow-up to that, I mean, I got to touch it and hold it. The book mm. eventually went from the college it was at to MIT. And I knew the man who was head of the MIT library rare book part that had that. I got to see it there. And then that library went out to California. Um, and uh, I was in Pasadena at the Huntington Library for a book show just before the pandemic started. And I went to the Huntington Library, made a journey to the bookcase and saw that copy still sitting there. And, and I still say, I got to, you know, now it's behind a glass case. Even if I went to the library and said, I want to touch that again, I'll bet you he wouldn't let me. Mm. Another time, a man came in with a book, and, and I'll mention a few things that really stand out. A man came in with a book, and it was a reproduction of an old Psalter, something that you would have seen in the 14, 1500s. And it was beautifully, beautifully printed. It wasn't a big book. And I'm looking at it, and it's going, this is gorgeous, the printing job. And then he pointed out to me, and I looked closer, the book was not printed. Each page was silk, and it was actually woven silk. Mm. This book was woven. Oh my goodness! To, to reproduce what looked like an illuminated manuscript, it was absolutely incredible. I guess it took over a year or two to produce. It was something that a silk manufacturer in uh, Great Britain had produced and given to their best clients in the late 1800s. But you look at this and you go, that's not printing. I mean, if, mm. if I had a copy of the book and could show people, you'd say absolutely this. Then you look at it in the work that was done. What, what was the value on something like that at the time? The book was worth about $35,000, $40,000. And now it's at the Museum of Fine Arts. And it was interesting because it fits into the museum not only because it is in a beautiful work of art visually, but it also fits into their fabrics in their fabric department, which they have a huge department of. And so even I think when they bought it, they'd split it between the two departments. Now I know why I didn't know the answer to the question, because uh, I think, first of all, we talk about so many favorite books every week, <laughs> every yes. podcast. I think I was a little confused, and I'll admit this. Uh, we were talking about the book you've always looked for and haven't been able to find. That's the one that I was thinking about, the one well, that got I mean, away. Well, yeah, the, the books, the, the one that got away. Well, actually, one of my favorite things that got away 
is sort of a book and sort of a letter. When people ask me that question, J.D. Salinger, who wrote Catcher in the Rye, he was very, he was up in New Hampshire. Aloof. He was reclusive. Mm. He didn't appear in public. He didn't, uh, you know, sign many books. And when he did sign things or sign letters, they're very, very valuable. Somebody one time came in who had been a friend of his and had about 10 letters that he wrote. They're very valuable and they were nice, but there was one letter in particular. Um, and I, uh, I was looking at it and I was reading it and he was, he, he had been living in New Hampshire a while, but he was looking back when they were building his house. And he was talking about when they, the construction of it, and they were building the foundation. And a bunch of high school kids in New Hampshire helped with the foundation. And he said, one of those kids became a really good athlete, that kid Carlton Fisk. <laughs> so Carlton Fisk helped build J.D. Salinger's house. That letter, I think, should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, the person, as far as I know, still has it. But when people ask me, what's the one that got away? Sort of when you yeah. cast your hook out, you catch that big fish, it gets away. That's one of the things that I'm still hoping. The, the more I think about the question we asked you at the beginning, the more I realize it's almost impossible, particularly for you to say your favorite one, because there's you, you live in a world of magic every day. I mean, you're seeing things like this. Well, actually, I'll, I'll tell two more stories with it and. And I'll end. And, and actually, since I've been asked this question so many times, the answer that I finally come up with, and you'll have to listen to the end, uh, mm. is one that I sort of stole but asked permission from, from another colleague of mine. Another book that's my favorite that is not a valuable book. I got a big collection once of uh, cookbooks, you know, very nice cookbooks. Um, there are probably a couple of thousand books, a lot of them going back in the 17, 1800s, uh, some early 20th century. It was a great collection. We were very happy with it. There was going to be a lot of work going through it. And then there were two boxes of these old pamphlets, things like how to make jello, how to uh, use a mix master, how to use a refrigerator. In other words, things that manufacturers put out so that you could use uh, their products. And some of them are very colorful, very nice, but there are a lot of work. And I said to one of my assistants, put these all out on the dollar table. There were some real bargains there, but people will like them. We have so much work to do with this other thing, whatever. Two hours later, this man comes running in with this one pamphlet. And he goes, I've been looking for this for years and years and years. And he was so excited. One of the most excited I've ever seen anybody about finding a book. And he goes, and it was only a dollar. And I look at it and the title is Coconuts and Constipation. <laughs> that book has given me one of the best stories and one of my favorite stories that I've uh, ever had. And I one time told this on the radio and Dan Ray's show, it was 20 years later, I got a phone call the next morning from this man. And he was saying, and it's still one of my favorite books. I hope he's found relief from that uh, over the years, <laughs> exactly. coconuts and constipation. But but actually getting to what my favorite book is, and this there's a, a, a colleague that is on the Antiques Roadshow with me. He's at the major auction houses. He's now on his own. 
his name's Tom Leckie, but I was listening to him once and he was talking about his favorite books. And this is, so I stole this idea, but it absolutely is. There is a copy of The Night Before Christmas that I have. It's not necessarily valuable. It's a very nice older copy, beautifully illustrated. And to my older daughter in particular, every Christmas Eve, since she has been maybe one year old, I have read that copy of The Night Before Christmas to her. She is now in her mid thirties. I still have to read that copy of The Night Before Christmas. Her husband is from Texas. One year they went to Texas and they were in, at his family's house for Christmas. She had me put it on YouTube <laughs> so that I could read it to her. She now has a son who is six months old. Last Christmas, he was in her lap. I was reading from that night before Christmas. And I think that's my favorite book. I can certainly understand why that has particular allure for you. Absolutely. It means a in lot. My, in my other daughter, who is a more visual person, I used to read the I Spy books. And she's in her early 30s. And sometimes when she comes home, we still try to find the little things in the ice. So those books that I read to my children when I was young, and just the act of reading to them, having them re listen and still love it, is probably definitely my favorite book. No questions asked. I'm sure many of our listeners to this podcast are thinking about their own, as I am. That was a great st several stories, not just one. Uh, you could go on all day, as we know. But uh, for people to find out more, visit BrattleBookshop.com. And if you have a question for Ken, uh, feel free to email him there. And oftentimes we bring up these topics that you email on the Brattlecast. So, and I deal. have a whole list of them, but I wanted to do these uh to do this one because it's one of my favorites i love it and i'm sure our listeners do as well thank you for joining us today for another edition of the brattlecast